In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I've become your father, Psalm 2. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son, 2 Samuel 7. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all of God's angels worship him, Deuteronomy 32. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire, Psalm 104. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God Your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy, Psalm 45. He also says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. Psalm 102. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Psalm 110. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Lord God, thank you that you speak to us. Please give us hearts to listen, to trust and to obey. Please be with Carl as he preaches. May you speak through him that we might have life. Amen. Well, it's great to be starting uh, the book of Hebrews today uh, and thinking about what it means for us. 
Uh, I, uh, I remember, as I was thinking about this chapter, I remember uh, being uh, back in, uh, in Victoria. Uh, I lived in Geelong for a number of years and I learned to surf there and I was surfing off the coast of Torquay uh, and it was a pretty crummy day. It was uh, pretty bad weather uh, and there was a strong breeze blowing across the beach, which is really not what you ever want. And I remember paddling out uh, to get sort of uh, to where the waves were breaking and just sitting out behind the break. Uh, and uh, paddling out, paddling out, and uh, I finally got there, uh, and then I turned around, and I looked back at the beach, and I'd, I'd already gone about 200 metres along the beach. Uh, and so I thought, oh, I'd better swim back a bit along. I don't want to, you know, I was, I'd moved from where I wanted to, so I paddled back. Uh, and then we sat there, and we did what we always did, with, that is, you know, you sit looking out towards the waves, waiting for a good wave to come, and then... Uh, and waiting for that. Uh, and then the next time I turned around and, uh, and looked at the beach, we'd, we'd gone 200 metres up the beach again. You know, the wind had pushed us up. The, the, uh, the, the current was taking us up that way. Uh, and the thing about being on a surfboard is, if you're standing on land, you don't expect to be sun- suddenly 200 metres away or a, a kilometre away when, you know, by the, when you look again where you are. But when you're in the water... That happens all the time. If you're not careful, you can drift away and not realise that you've moved at all because you're just looking at your immediate surroundings and you fail to see what's going on uh, further away. Often when you're surfing, it's not that bad. You just paddle back. But sometimes it can be quite dangerous. You can get yourself into a really dangerous situation uh, without really uh, knowing it. And the same is true in the Christian life. It's possible for us to kind of end up in that situation where we drift somewhere that we never really intended to go, that we, that we suddenly open our eyes and look around and we're somewhere that we never expected to be. We're not where we thought we were, we're not even where we set out to go. And really that's what the first chapter of Hebrews is all about. It's about, uh, it's what the whole book of Hebrews is about as well. It's a, this danger of slowly, subtly, imperceptibly, without really noticing, drifting away from God. It's about the danger of thinking that we're okay with God, that we're spiritually in a good place, but actually we've drifted away and we've found ourselves in a very dangerous and a very bad place. And so if you're drifting away, if you're uh, drifting along, then the message of this chapter and the message of this book is a message uh, for you. Uh, And if you have friends as well who are drifting away, family members who are drifting away, then this is a message for you as well because you can help them uh, come to see how much they need to pay attention uh, to what's going on. Well, we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews and we don't know who were the first recipients, the people that it was written to, but we do know that it was received in the early church as the word of God and it was treasured by them as the very words of God. And we know that its main message is about the greatness of what God has done in Jesus and this earnest desire that those of us who've heard that great message not lose hold of it. And those ideas begin uh, right here on this first page of Hebrews. It begins with these incredible words about the glory of Jesus, about who Jesus is. It starts with this comparison in uh, verse 1. It says there, In the past God spoke through our ancestors and through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. 
God has always been a speaking God from the beginning of creation. He has been a speaking God. He spoke the world into existence. Uh, He made human beings in his image as speaking people. He spoke with Adam and Eve. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to his people in the Old Testament through the prophets through people like Moses. God has spoken in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of places. God is a speaking God. But in these last days, the writer says, in these last days, in the days uh, that the writer was living, that is in the first century, in these last days, God has spoken through his son, through Jesus. Why is it important that God has spoken through his son? Why do we need to know that? Why does that matter for us? Why begin there? Well, the answer lies in who the Son is. And this chapter tells us seven things about Jesus. It tells us, first of all, that he is the heir of all things. That is, Jesus is the one to whom everything belongs. Jesus is God the Father's true Son. And so as the Son, he inherits everything that belongs to the family. He inherits inherits the family wealth. And the family wealth is the universe. He's the heir of all things. Everything in the world belongs to Jesus, everything in this world and everything in the next world. You might think uh, that your house belongs to you or the bank might think that the house belongs to it. But it doesn't actually. It belongs to Jesus. Uh, And you might think that your life belongs to you But it doesn't actually. Your life belongs to Jesus. He's the heir of all things. Everything in the world belongs to him. And the thing is, if you're friends with a person who owns everything, then you have access to everything as well. If you're friends with, you know, someone rich and famous, if you're friends with Queen Elizabeth then you get access to Buckingham Palace. You don't have to wait, you don't have to wait till the, the times of year when it's open and you don't have to pay for a ticket. You don't have to line up for it. You just walk up to the front door. Hey, Liz. <laughs> and you get access into all that she owns, all that she possesses. And in the same way, when we come to know God through his son who owns everything, We gain access to everything that he owns as well. The Jesus who has spoken to us is the Jesus who owns everything. Second, Jesus is the one through whom God made the universe. The Bible often talks about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son as a through relationship. The Father works through the Son. So uh, the Father doesn't work on his own and the Son doesn't work on his own. It's not the sort of the Father over here doing his bit and then the son over here doing his bit. But it's the father always working through the son. The son always doing what the father wants. And we see that here in the creation of the universe. Everything that was made, everything that we see around us, was made through the son. The father through the son. So you can look at your hand. That was made by Jesus. Oh, you can look out the windows. And you can see the trees, you can see the clouds in the sky. Those were made by Jesus. Now you can look at the people around you, and they were made by Jesus. The Jesus who has spoken to us, who is speaking to us, is the Jesus who made everything and who owns everything. Third, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. I suspect that most of us, 
probably have around our house somewhere photos of friends and family or, or people that we know. Uh, even with you know, even with digital technology and everything, we still like to have those photos, don't we, of uh, of, of friends and family. Uh, I have a photo of my uh, family on the uh, one of the bookcases in my lounge room, and it's lovely to walk past that and to look at that and to see my family members and to remember them and to and to think about the joy that that I uh, have in them. But that image of my mum, say, in that photo is not my mum. You know, it looks like her. Well, it looks like her, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, but actually, so much of what I love about my mum is not in that picture. It's not captured by that picture. Uh, and it's the same with God. You can't, you can't draw a picture of God to accurately represent who he is. You can't do that because so much of who God is is missing. That's why God never allowed people in the Old Testament to make uh, images of him, statues, idols, because no statue, no picture could accurately represent who God is. We'd end up thinking about God in all the wrong ways. But here in the first chapter of Hebrews, we're told that Jesus can do what no picture can do. Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. He's the radiance of God's glory. So when we see Jesus, we see God. We see God exactly as he is. He's the exact representation of God. There's no mistakes, no errors, nothing, nothing missing that we have to fill in. No extra bits that we have to kind of rub out. When we see Jesus, we see God. And when we see Jesus, we don't just see God, but we behold his glory. We behold the glory of God. When we meet Jesus in the pages of the Bible, we meet God. When we hear Jesus speaking, when we hear words about Jesus in the Bible, we hear words about God. We hear God himself speaking to us. The Jesus who has spoken and who is speaking is the Jesus who reveals God as he is. Fourth, Jesus is the one who is sustaining all things by his powerful word. Not only did uh, the Son uh, create everything, or not, everything, not only was everything created through the Son, but the Son also upholds the world now. He speaks and the universe responds. I don't know if you've ever met uh, somebody who has the power to just make things happen. You know, they speak and things happen. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an impressive feat, isn't it? Uh, some of you might know uh, one of our youth leaders, Jed Matthews, was uh, running last year. He ran from Launceston to Hobart to raise money for um, Speak Up, Stay Chatty. Uh, and uh, uh, in the preparation for that, in the lead up to that, he, you know, he was schmoozing all the politicians and all that kind of stuff, trying to raise the profile of that. But he met with uh, Michael Ferguson, who I think at the time was the Minister for Police. And uh, Michael said... To Jed, he said, oh, have you spoken to the police about what you're doing? And Jed had not spoken to the police about what he was doing. And, uh, and, and he said, and Michael said, that's all right. So he got on the phone, and what did he do? He rang the police, the police commissioner of Tasmania. Oh, can you sort this out? Someone, yeah. And then later on in the day, someone called back and, uh, and, so, and was able to sort everything out. He's a man who speaks and things happen. When I speak, nothing happens. 
No one ever does anything. When he speaks, things happen. When Jesus speaks, things happen. People hear and respond. The world hears and responds. The universe hears and responds. The Jesus who's speaking is the God who uh, speaks and the universe obeys. Fifth, Jesus has provided purification for sins. Not only has Jesus shown us who God is uh, and shown us God's glory, he's also made it possible for us to be in a relationship with God. The Bible's message is that as human beings, we were created by God to know him, but we've turned away from God. We've rejected God. Uh, We've gone our own way. We've done our own thing. We've pretended that God doesn't exist. Uh, And that's brought this huge barrier between us and God. But Jesus has provided a way for that barrier, what the Bible calls sin, Jesus has provided a way for that barrier to be torn down, for for there to be cleansing, purification from sin. And in the past, God just said that he would do that. God promised that he would do that. He said, the day is coming when I'm going to knock down that barrier, when I'm going to cleanse the sin from your hearts and from your lives. I'm going to do away with that. In In the past, God just said that he would do it. But in Jesus, he's actually done it. What he promised has finally been made a reality. The Jesus who is speaking is the Jesus who in his death and his resurrection has made a way for us to know and be in fellowship with God again. Sixth, uh, the Son has sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. There are two things that are important about that. First, Jesus uh, has sat down. You might think, why is it important that Jesus has sat down? Well, it's important because he means he's finished what he has to do. He's finished his work. Uh, he, what God had sent him, what the Father had sent him to do is done. But second, it's important because of where he has sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God the Father, sat down at the majesty, right hand of the majesty of God in heaven. Jesus has taken up his position of honour and authority. When he entered into our, into our world, he gave all that up. He gave up his honour and his dignity in order to save us. He's taken that up. He's taken up his role as king. He's sitting on the throne. He's, he's the one in charge. This Jesus who has spoken, this Jesus who is speaking, is the one who reigns over all the world. The one who is king over everything. Seventh and lastly, this writer says, Jesus has become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. If that last idea about Jesus sitting down at the right hand of God is about Jesus' authority, then Jesus' superiority to the angels is focusing, if you like, on his honour. Having finished his work... Jesus has been given the honour that belongs to him. He has a name which is superior to the angels. What name is that? What name is superior to the angels? Well, it's the name and the honour of God himself. Verse 5, Jesus is the Son of God. As Graham pointed out as we were reading through, these are all quotations from the Old Testament. Uh, These ones in particular in verse 5 talk about the installation of God's King. Jesus has been installed 
as the Son of God, as the, as the King ruling over God's people. Now, Jesus was always God's Son from eternity past, but with his death and resurrection, what's happened is he has entered into the full inheritance which was his. He's taken up that role visibly of reigning over God's world uh, under the Father. Uh, just like Prince Charles is the son of the Queen, but's waiting to be installed fully uh, and finally as the King, so too Jesus himself, although he was God's son from eternity past, didn't come into full possession of his inheritance as a son until his death and resurrection. Then the writer says in verse 6, Jesus is greater than the angels because the angels worship him. Who do the angels worship except God alone? This is this is God, this Jesus who speaks, this Son who speaks is God. He quotes from Psalm 104 and Psalm 45. And his point is that although God says amazing, amazing things about the angels, he makes them you know, servants and, and, and whatever, uh, about the Son he says this, your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. God calls the Son God. And God says that the Son's throne, like God's throne, will last forever. Then in verse 10, he takes a psalm that in the Old Testament speaks about God, about Yahweh, the God in the, God in the Old Testament, the name of God in the Old Testament. This writer takes a psalm that speaks about God and applies that to Jesus. He says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. This son, this Jesus, does exactly the same work as, as the father does. He creates, he sustains. You and I might lay the foundations of a building, but Jesus laid the foundations of a universe. You and I might take off our jumper and jacket and roll it up, throw it away because it's old. Jesus rolls up a universe. It wears out, but he remains forever. We decay, but he goes on. No human being is like that. No angel is like that. The only one that's like that is God. This son who speaks, this son who is speaking and who has spoken, is none other than God himself. Unlike the prophets, unlike the angels, the Jesus who has spoken to us is not just God's representative, someone in the place of God. This Jesus is God himself. But why does the writer of Hebrews want us to know that about Jesus? Well, the answer uh, to that question comes in the first few verses of chapter 2. The writer tells us the application of these truths about Jesus. He's given us all this truth. What's the application? The application comes in verse 1. He says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. 
We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We need to make sure that we're listening to Jesus. Who's speaking? The Jesus of chapter 1 is speaking. And if that is the Jesus who is speaking, then we need to make sure that we listen and don't drift away. Why is that? For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? How? When Moses and the prophets spoke, when they spoke and people disobeyed and people didn't listen, that ended badly. How much worse will it end if Jesus, God himself, has spoken to us? The heir of all things, the exact representation of God's being, the radiance of God's glory. How will it be if he is speaking to us and we hear and we don't listen or we drift away? Here is the danger. The danger is that we know the truth, we believe the truth, but we lose sight of the truth, drift away and are lost. This warning is not a warning to people who are outside the church. It's a warning to people who have heard the gospel. Maybe at some level think that it's true. Maybe at some level have once given their life to it. But who slowly over time have stopped looking and are just drifting away. Maybe that's where you're at at the moment. I don't know. Maybe you're slowly drift, drifting away and like me on the, at the beach that day, you don't even notice it. Uh, maybe you're still reading your Bible every day, but it doesn't really say anything to you. Maybe you're praying still every day, but the prayers that you pray are just kind of empty words. You're reading the Bible, but the gap between what you read and how you're living is just getting further and further apart. The last time that something in your life changed because of what you read is forever ago. You pray before meals, maybe, but they're just words that you have to get through. It's not really a communication with God. It's not a conversation with God. You just pray because you think you need stuff from God. You don't, it's not really a relationship. Maybe you're slowly drifting away from the Christian community too. Maybe you find it hard to come along and so slowly you stop coming. Once a week becomes once every two weeks. Once every two weeks becomes once a month. Once a month becomes once every two months. And sooner or later you just stop. There always seems to be a reason, a good reason not to come. You're tired, it's been a big week kids have been difficult maybe you purposely choose not to come because you know that if you do come someone might challenge you <laughs> about how you're living where you are with God and so because you don't want to have to deal with that you don't come more and more you just seem to be living your own private life out of the gaze of others 
and you think hopefully out of the gaze of God. If that's you, then please stop and realise that you're drifting away from Jesus. Please realise that the Jesus that you're drifting away from is the Jesus of chapter 1. Jesus who's God, Jesus who owns everything, Jesus who is the exact representation of God's being. If you're drifting away from Jesus, then please realise that. Please stop drifting and pay more careful attention. Please stop and grab onto Jesus. So maybe you're drifting away and you don't realise it. Maybe you're drifting away and you do realise it, actually. Maybe you're drifting away and you've known that and suspected that for a while. But you've just sort of thought to yourself, oh, it'll, just, it'll get better. If I just keep going, it'll get better. But if you're drifting towards a dangerous rip in the ocean, you don't just sit there and think, oh, maybe I'll just wait it out. Maybe it'll just be okay. You head away from the danger. And you make sure you're safe. If you're drifting away and you've been thinking, it'll be okay, please stop and pay attention to Jesus who's speaking and don't drift away. Of course, some people might also think, well, I, I, I think I'm drifting. Maybe I'm drifting, I don't know. Maybe they think they're drifting when they're not actually drifting. They're in a, they're in a good place with God. But they're just a bit sensitive always about how their spiritual life is going. But whether we're drifting or not, the, the remedy is always the same. The remedy is always the same. We can just stop, fix our eyes on Jesus and pay more careful attention. Wherever you are, let's stop and pay attention to Jesus, the God who's spoken to us and who's still speaking now. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, we want to stop now and pay attention to you because you've spoken to us in the past and you're speaking to us now through your word. You've shown us who you are, the great and glorious God through whom, whom all things were made, who sustains all things with a word is the exact representation of God, the radiance of God's glory, who has inherited a name greater than any name, who has taken up your rule as king and whose enemies will be put under your feet. Lord Jesus, we want to listen to you and not neglect the great news of what you've done on the cross in your life and your death and your resurrection, making your way back to God. Lord, we pray that none of us would drift away from that. Lord, for those who are drifting and who have not realised that, wake them up. Lord, for those who are drifting and have just brushed it aside, 
help them to begin to act before it's too late. And Lord, for those of us perhaps who are not drifting, who are faithfully living for you, seeking every day to be rich towards you and to keep our eyes focused on Christ, Lord, help us to keep going in that direction (laughs) and every day afresh to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, in a moment, we're going to close uh, with a 